Hello there, I'm Justin, and welcome to part two of our Star Wars May the 4th Be With You Trilogy Countdown episodes. Uh, today we're going to be looking at the original trilogy released in the 70s and 80s and ranking my favorite Star Wars movies from that particular trilogy. Thank you so much for hanging out today. It should be a fun one. Let's get into it. Take these two over to the garage, will you? I want them cleaned up for dinner. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. You can waste time with your friends when your chores are done. Now, come on, get to it. Uh, the original Star Wars trilogy, originally released in the 70s and 80s, these films were seminal to everything that, that I'm about in my life. Um, really important movies in terms of my growth, my childhood, the nostalgia is so strong with these. Um, they are films that brought me closer together with my family, that brought me closer together with my friends, my brother, and my wife. These, these movies are seminally important to so much of, of my life and to what I'm all about. Um, so I wanted to start here by talking about which one of these is actually my favorite. And most people agree that Empire Strikes Back is the strongest of these three films, but my personal favorite amongst these three is definitely A New Hope. Um, it was the first, it was the original, it had all of these insane and brilliant new ideas. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, there's a really interesting video out there by Kirby uh, Ferguson called Everything is a Remix, and in a lot of ways what George Lucas did in this film is he was influenced by so many different things like Flash Gordon, um, Akira Kurosawa, samurai films, and, and science fiction in America, Flash Gordon and things like this. And he took these things, these different elements, recombined them, and created something that was wholly unique and new. Um, and it really struck that balance between newness and foreignness. Um, and that's why I think this film resonated with audiences the way that it did. It had endearing characters. It had some of the really most interesting and, and cool special effects of its time. Um, and for me growing up, you know, I never got to see this movie originally in the theaters. I wasn't born until 1982. And so I didn't come into these films until I was in high school. And I'll never forget going to my friend Kyle's house and watching these movies for the first time with him and thinking, wow, this is something, something really special. I, I get what, what I've heard about these, these films. And then, and then from there, just, just kind of blossoming into this whole thing, uh, building models, playing video games, collecting toys, all kinds of stuff. It, it, so... Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope is really my favorite amongst these. I think it has the perfect amount of charm. I think it has the perfect amount of charm. I think it has the perfect amount of action and character development and plot. And it sets the stage for the later films in a way that is so exciting and interesting. Um, I, I love the fight sequences. I love the lightsaber stuff. And I think... What makes this movie so interesting is the way that the Force is kind of this thing in the background. This movie's really about it's. This movie's really about the Rebel Alliance, and it's really about the rebellion, and it's really about the little underdog versus the big overwhelming odds, and it's not really about the Force. It's not really about magic. It's not about action. It's about it's about the underdog story, and that's really what the movie's about, and that's why I love it. Um, 
I also love the side characters. R2-D2 and C-3PO are perhaps the greatest um, side characters of all time with R2-D2, I think, being, being just... For a character that never once speaks a word of dialogue and only, only communicates in beeps and boops, he's, he's quite amazing. So, episode four in New Hope, um, definitely, probably my, my favorite amongst all nine films, but certainly in the original trilogy, my number one. I mean you no harm. I am wondering, why are you here? I'm looking for someone. Looking? Found someone you have, I would say. <laughs> right. Help do I can? Yes. I don't think so. I'm looking for a great warrior. Oh! <laughs> great warrior? Oh! <laughs> Wars not make one great. <laughs> oh! Coming in in second place, it's so hard to rank these movies. I, I consider them all to be masterpieces, but I, I definitely would have to put Empire Strikes Back here in number in the number two slot. Um, this movie really upped the up the ante. Uh, it's a great sequel. It builds upon all of the things that the original did and improves upon them in many ways. Um, great script, great twists, and, and of course one of the greatest plot twists of all time in the history of cinema. Um, really cool action sequences. We, we start to get and learn more about the mythology behind this world. We learn about Yoda. We learn a little bit about the Force and the way of the Jedi. Um, so we start to learn some things. We see the characters develop. Um, we see new, new romances kindle. Um, new locations. Uh, so yeah, I love this movie. I love too, and I know George Lucas was so intentional about this, but the way that the first film was very arid and desert-like and Tatooine and all that, and then we begin this film in this ice-encrusted, snowy landscape was just such a cool way to do it. And then of course in the third film on the foresty, lush world of Endor. Um, but yeah, this film's great. The villain's great. Darth Vader's awesome in this movie. Um, much more fleshed out, kind of. We get our first taste of the Emperor and kind of the evil forces behind the scenes here. Um, so the, the world is kind of fleshed out a little bit more and the backstory is kind of revealed a little bit by bit. Um, the movie's fun. It's funny. There's great action sequences. We, we're introduced to, to Boba Fett and so many other cool characters. And this is a great all-around movie. Um, so yeah. Empire Strikes Back. The second film in the original trilogy, uh, definitely my number two. You know, like I said, these are all, all all great. It's hard to rank them, but I would say that this one is is definitely definitely amazing.
coming in at number three here for me is, of course, The Return of the Jedi. Um, a lot of people don't like this movie. I love this movie, and I love it because I'm a child of the 80s. I'm a child of Jim Henson and the Muppet Babies and the Muppets and um, the Muppet Show. And this, you know, the Ewoks and the puppets and the Yoda and all of it in this movie, I, I love it. It has a certain kind of, um, it's this really interesting kind of juxtaposition of this menacing evil that is the Empire up against this childlike whimsy that, that are the Ewoks and the planet of Endor and the Rebel Alliance. Um, I, I, I often feel in the newer trilogy the Rebel Alliance gets too serious. It's too, it's, the movies are too serious. And um, I liked that Return of the Jedi had this balance, kind of like the Force, of the dark and menacing forces of the Empire and Palpatine and Vader up against these little kind of teddy bears that were super cute and fun. And I think that is such an important move that George Lucas made. I think he tried to do this in the prequels as well and missed it a little bit. Like, I think he attempted this again with Jar Jar Binks and trying to bring that lightheartedness to it, but it came off as a little bit campy. But in, in Return of the Jedi, I love the, the mix of really scary stuff and almost like childlike innocence. I, I think this is the this is the key flavor of the of the '80s, and when I think of '80s nostalgia, that's what I think of. I think of something serious and something real and something bad, mixed in with something completely farcical and whimsical and innocent. Um, something that is is only there when you're young and you don't you don't have the trappings of adulthood. And I feel like Return of the Jedi ca captures that feeling really really well. Um, so I love this movie. It's, it's awesome. Uh, I love the Jabba the Hutt stuff. I love the Jedi stuff in this movie. I love that Luke is finally the sort of Jedi master that he's destined to be in this film. Um, so this one's really, this one's great. Like I said, all of these are, are, are my top choices really, but, but I, I love Return of the Jedi and um, it's definitely, definitely one of my favorite. And I, you know, if I had to rank these ones, I can't because they're all, they're all top, they're all the top for me. But this one is especially really, really good. And for the last part of today's podcast, we are going to turn once again to Screen Rant and take a look at 15 things you probably may not have known about the original Star Wars trilogy. Um, and this article was uh, put out in December 2016 by uh, Matt Brunson. And uh, Matt Brunson writes, A long time ago, 1977 to be exact, the first Star Wars movie opened in theaters across the planet, a couple of light years away from being a Accorded the most cumbersome title, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, Star Wars quickly became the top-grossing film in Hollywood history um, and significantly inspired a whole generation of filmmakers and fans. The movie also became a cultural touchstone and a font of trivial pursuits, not to mention that it launched a media and merchandising empire. The movie also became a uh, cultural touchstone and a merchandising empire. Interest in everything regarding the genesis, production, and influence of the film remains unabated to this day. Here, then, are a few facts that haven't been as widely acknowledged as some of the more omniscient tidbits surrounding the saga. Here's 15 things you might not know about the original Star Wars trilogy. Mark Hamill is a major sci-fi nerd. That's pretty cool. You know, um, Mark Hamill has done a lot of really cool stuff since Star Wars. Voice of the Joker. Um, so many other things and uh, he's quoted as saying I thought if they were making a big space fantasy movie I'd be satisfied just to watch part of it being shot I even asked my agent if she could get me into the set so I could see how some of the special effects were being done needless to say Hamill ended up doing a lot more than just watch it um, early fans of this Star Wars movie misunderstood the plot um, that's an interesting thing to think about. Uh, Forrest Ackerman, the beloved editor of the influential famous Monsters of Filmland, 
uh, was a huge fan of Star Wars. He repeatedly plugged into the magazine's cover pen and countless articles on the phenomenon and even sponsored a reader contest. Um, still, like everyone else, uh, Forey didn't know much about the picture before its release, and the amusing blurb that appeared in the September 1976 coming attractions article wasn't entirely accurate. He says in this old article, Star Wars starring Alec Guinness will be a 21st century Fox extravaganza costing $8 million and telling the tale of a retired general who once masterminded great galactic battles. Uh, space aliens will be created by Stuart Freeborn, who did the marvelous ape makeup for 2001. Uh, number 13, Lucas isn't a film director. It's no secret that George Lucas has never been comfortable as a director. He tends to be especially reticent around actors, which led Richard Dreyfuss um, in the classic American Graffiti to once quip that he worked on the film for almost a month before he realized the director could speak English. Number 12, uh, Alec Guinness changed Obi-Wan. Ben Kenobi was originally written as a deranged old man who only became more clear-headed as the story progressed. Guinness balked at this and said, not wanting to miss out on the services of an Oscar-winning legend, Lucas acquiesced to the actor's demands that Kenobi be wise throughout. Uh, it was too violent for Scandinavia. That's interesting. I guess Scandinavia couldn't handle the, the stuff in Star Wars. Uh, Brian De Palma wrote the opening crawl. That's an interesting... That's an interesting piece of information. George Takai reviewed the movie. The first Star Wars club cost $5 to join. Most critics loved it, most of them, but not everyone. A lot of people panned it. Some people panned it. Um, Big's Darklighter was cut from the movie. Since tie-in novelizations are often released before the films themselves, it's not unusual for scenes to appear on the printed page that don't make it onto the big screen. That was the case with Star Wars. Uh, this paperback edition included the early sequence in which Luke hangs out with his best buddy Biggs while still stuck on Tatooine. The scene was cut from the film during pre-production, so crestfallen fans can only imagine what the sequence looked like. The studio had no faith in this film. Uh, Luke's original last name was, was Star Killer instead of Skywalker. Um, C-3PO's Anthony Daniels had a lot of trouble playing that. You can read his really great uh, autobiography if you want to learn more there. Um, George Lucas made a ton of money off of these films, and he's given away a lot of that money to charity. And lastly, Burt Reynolds and Robert De Niro almost played, and or Robert De Niro almost played Han Solo. I guess there was a lot of casting. Um, De Niro was uh, already establishing himself in Taxi Driver, and he was off doing other things. So that's interesting, interesting information, some interesting stuff there. Um, what did you think about this list? Uh, are there any facts or information that you don't uh, that you didn't know about the original Star Wars trilogy, or anything that you could share with us? That would be great. Feel free to leave a message, call in. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'll be back on Monday with my final installment as we review the my top picks from the most current trilogy, um, the J.J. Abrams slash uh, um, uh, Last Jedi trilogy and um, Ryan Johnson movie trilogy, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of my Star Wars thoughts. So thanks so much for tuning in to the Pickup Line today. I will see you all next time. <laughs> <Die. laughs>